You're listening to the free preview episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. To hear the entire episode, go to patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer, K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R, and sign up. It's only $5 for the entire series. This is On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. A Conversation with Matthew Remsky. On this show, we talk a lot about what makes people believe, what makes people radicalize their beliefs, what makes people do unusual things according to their beliefs. But we don't often talk about the other side of it, which is what makes people change their beliefs and what makes them de-radicalize? I'm very lucky to have, as a guest today, Matthew Remsky of the Conspirituality Podcast to talk about just those things. Welcome, Matthew. Hi, Matthew. I'm going to ask you a question that some people ask me too. How did you get into this? Because there's not really a job description for what you do. Oh. No, but there is a sort of firestorm of of uh, like you know inter- dominoes falling at the same time uh, in the spring. Um, I suppose it became clear to myself and Julian and Derek. We've known each other for about ten years. I've met Julian in person. I've never met Derek in person. Actually, uh, they're both in LA, uh, but we've all three of us have worked as, as sort of. Um, wellness and yoga world cultural critics for that time at varying levels of professionalism. And um, when COVID lockdown smashed through the brick and mortar yoga and wellness spaces that we were familiar with and that, you know, we were engaged with as, as professionals, as, you know, teachers and trainers and, and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. it became um, almost immediately clear that all of the vulnerabilities of this uh, subculture to spiritual bypassing, to um, paranoid anti-authoritarianism, to mm-hmm. pseudoscience, to, um, you know, kind of like charismatic devotion to alternative health, that all of those things, all of those threads within the culture that we'd identified over the years would uh, become very inflamed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that uh, landscape is what we came to associate with the term conspirituality, which we had happened across uh, from a 2011 paper by David Voas and Charlotte Ward that described the horseshoe effect that can emerge when male-dominated, right-wing oriented, very cynical political conspiracism begins to merge with the aspirations of female-dominated and transformation-oriented wellness culture. Mm -hmm. So um, the, the, the term was out there and the phenomenon had, you know, had, had, had a beginning set of descriptions to it. And I think what we found was that uh, it was kind of kicking into high gear. It was leaping off of 
the the sort of theoretical framework and into action before our eyes mm -hmm. and uh, yeah there's no there's no job description for it but there are personalities to follow and kind of uh industry sectors and influences to to track and and we were familiar with those so mm -hmm. so we could watch it start to happen it's always interesting to see these uh strange bedfellow alliances like gender critical people and evangelical christians and you know people will look at those and go well how what is the what's the common thread there and really the common thread is that they share a common goal and common enemies right yeah and we see some well not some i would say a fair amount of um uh, gender critical discourse that is part of the conspirituality sphere because it's in general it's politically retrograde and um, and so sociologically and you know in terms of of gender politics it it really envisions a return to some kind of you know pure you know heteronormative uh, you know pleasure and love within the context of nurturing the motherland kind of uh you know very cisgendered structure that can that can you know um that can that can support the nation but also people's individual bodies so so there's a lot of um there's a, a lot of the infl i mean this has been a this has been a uh, a point of discussion and criticism within yoga and wellness culture for the last 20 years that um like it's devoted to uh, to heavy gender binarism and to notions of the sacred masculine as opposed to the sacred feminine. But of course, the sacred feminine is always more sort of like, you know, overdetermined and, and focused on because we're talking about a practice population that's 80% women. Mm -hmm. um, and that's always telling women how they should be better women in some ways. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that the the gender critical stuff has certainly been a feature of of the conspirituality landscape. With people like you know, as dumb as J.P. Sears, making anti-trans jokes that are very bad. Uh, you know, as he is also pursuing his you know anti-mask humor mm -hmm. and his anti-lockdown agitation. Let's talk about what is pastel QAnon or, you know, your term conspirituality or any of these other terms to describe people who, you know, present as being sort of crunchy type folks, but who believe in sort of right wing sort of militant kind of conspiracy theories. We can find roots of conspirituality going back over a century um, as you know the the online world and its its proliferation changes the landscape and, and amplifies it dramatically um you're using a really great phrase that i think is is coined by um mark andre argentino pastel uh q there's also soft q um uh, there is, the, I think, I think the Mother Jones journalist coined the term Q a mom. Um, and um, I would say that, that if we're not talking about the harder edged phenomenon of QAnon itself, but we're talking about sort of peripheral or adjacent movements that 
often make use of QAnon discourse, but don't um, cross the threshold over into complete fever dream territory, uh, then then we're in the the realm that on our podcast anyway we 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 call conspirituality. So your question is where does it where do we begin seeing it? Um, I mean. Uh, Ward and, and Voas began seeing it, uh, you know, 10 years ago, ago or more uh, as the online expressions of, you know, far-right conspiracism with regard to, you know, who's in control of the, you know, global governments and banking systems uh, began to interface with this notion that uh, humanity in general is coming to some sort of transformational crisis point uh, and that and that as darker secrets are revealed that our capacity for spiritual awakening will um, you know brighten or will be amplified and also we'll have to practice harder at our yoga at our meditation we'll have to say our mantras with more dedication to hasten this transformational moment and and its potential um so but 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 going back further um you know we can i think we can say that the very structure of you know, new age, global and orientalist influenced spiritualities lines up very neatly with the key axioms of conspiratorial thinking. So uh, like, you know, Dr. Peter Knight, uh, somewhere in England, but he, he was on that podcast for the anthill uh, back in the spring that they did this great review of the sort of academic literature on conspiracies and 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 he he expressed it very well saying that in my opinion he said that you know all conspiratorial thinking operates on the three principles of you know nothing is as it appears to be everything is connected and nothing happens without a purpose and those three principles are actually very familiar to new age spiritual practitioners right. who who will hold them as like values that give them positive you know psycho spiritual benefits mm -hmm. and so you know if you have trained yourself uh you know since the 1960s in your school mm -hmm. uh, your yoga school to think of everything is being connected and you know as as holism as being your your primary value and that you know nothing really is as it seems that this mundane world can always be kind of um gazed at more penetratingly and and seen for the the miracle that it really is and that it's concealing itself in a way but you can do your own research and you can go inside and you can see how glorious it really is if you train yourself in this way um uh and if you don't really have the cultural or you know moral guidance of the religious traditions that these ideas come from uh, and that's basically the definition of new age spirituality it's a bunch of like lifted ideas that are kind of half-baked and and um, you know boulderized uh, by consumer culture without any sort of like ethical or pedagogical or pastoral framework 
certainly no pastoral care. Uh, and so if, if this is what you sort of like grow up with and, and you, you devote yourself to, um, those three axioms can sort of cross over some paranoid threshold into, you know, believing that, well, everything is connected and wow, that's what the Q map actually tells me. Uh, and, yeah. oh, uh, nothing is as it appears. Oh, uh, the, the Biden inauguration was actually a hologram. Uh, and, oh, um, you know, uh, everything happens for a purpose, meaning, you know, it was actually a good thing that Trump lost the election because that will make the storm even more impressive. We've talked about this on the show before when you look at something like Om Shinrikyo or Falun Gong, you know, these are, are people who get into these groups through very innocent, very, you know, spiritually minded means, and then they become radicalized. And it's partially to do, I think, with this idea that, you know, the belief system is always like, you can do more, you can go further, even when you're talking about things like TM, meditation, um, yoga studios, you know, it's all about, you know, you can push yourself, you can believe more, you can do more. Well, I think you're pointing out something like super important about the economics and the structure of unregulated wellness industries and how they create a kind of um, economy of of a deepening internal turn. So yeah, you might go to a relatively ethical yoga studio in your hometown and the fact that you're paying 15 to $20 for that drop-in class or you've bought a month pass for 80 bucks or whatever, that's not keeping their lights on. What's actually going to, to um, pay for their overhead, and of course this has all crashed since COVID hit, um, it's not it's not clear you know how many studios are going to survive now. But up until last March, um, the way that yoga studios would make their money would be by selling the deeper level of research. Right, the next module um, you can take a teacher training program, which is also a personal development program, and this kind of becomes like a a ritual, mm -hmm. uh, a transitional ritual for especially millennials and and then Zoomers. Uh, who you know were taking a gap year in school, or they got laid off, or they didn't want to wait tables, um, or they wanted to try, or they needed to add something else to their gig economy, and the the way it works is that is that you know in order for you to make your way in that world, you have to continue to pay to work on yourself. It's not, you know, and, and the work that you're doing is not to improve the social determinants of health. It's not to improve, you know, how your local city council functions. The work is always on you to see into your life and your, you know, potential so that it can actualize more fully. Uh, and so when, when something like QAnon comes around, and basically says, the world is not at all what it seems to be, and it's actually filled with trauma. And there are people who we know did this to you and to everybody else, and you can go inside and watch these videos, but do the work on your own. Um, 
it, it, there's this whole industry that's already been set up to believe and to, and to sort of inhabit this economic rhythm mm -hmm. in which uh, in order to be a better person, you have to find out more about these internal psychological realities and you have to create a better and better story about how you're going to um, uh, uh, recover from them, especially if they involve uncovering trauma. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's, it's the, the yoga world becomes a gateway for radicalization, not just because the themes overlap, not just because you know, um, there's a, a trauma survivor community that uh, wants to, to use yoga for recovery, but then they become very attracted to themes like save the children. There's also an overlap because this is an unregulated industry in which people are required to spend money to make money by going deeper into themselves. To unlock the rest of this episode, visit patreon.com forward slash K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R. -E -E it's only $5 to unlock over 20 hours of content.